The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. You're listening to Matt Slick Live. If you want to give me a call, the number is 877-207-2276. Today's date is December 5th, 2023. I want to hear from you. We're getting close to Christmas. So if you want, give me a call and we can talk about all kinds of stuff, whatever you want to talk about, all right? And um, I want to hear from you. So please, uh, you can do that. And also, just to let you know that uh, you can email me at info at carm.org. If you have a comment or a question, you can email me. And uh, let's see, I guess I got to prove it. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So anyway, there I got some serious emails coming in, some stuff I got to be taking care of. Just so much, so much. I'm so busy. That's a good thing, though. So anyway, you can email me at info at carm.org. Info at carm, C-A-R-M, dot O-R-G. If you have a comment or a question, and just type in uh, in the subject matter, you know, radio question, radio comment, and uh, read them over the air. Let's get to Alan from Virginia. Alan, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, man. How's it going today? It's going. Busy day. Busy day, but a good day. So what do you got, man? Uh, well, I just wanted to thank you and God's grace for the opportunity to witness somewhat recently for a while to someone. I'm a little confused. Wait, you're think- oh, you're praising God for your ability to witness. You had an opportunity to witness? Yes, but I'm also thanking you for helping to teach me so that I was able to use it, utilize it. Oh, well, good. Well, praise God. What was it you learned? Or what was it that helped? Well, let's see. What, what was it I learned? I learned that, <laughs> well, from this from this person, they, um, oh, gosh, because it was like a four or five hour conversation. So I had to think about wow. that. <laughs> I know there's a lot of stuff you cover then. But that's okay. I don't put you on the spot there. But so the radio show helped you, I guess. You learned some stuff. Is that it? Could that oh, be nice? yeah, that in your church. So that helped a good bit. I, I basically used up like ninety percent of my apologetics knowledge in that conversation. <laughs> good. And then you probably found out some things you need to study because that's just always how it is. You know, it, it still happens to me. Oh yeah, they were. Um, they they used to be uh, Roman Catholic, but in Ireland. But apparently, the Catholic Church, at least they went to, did stuff a little bit differently than what I've heard Roman Catholics do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, that's interesting. Well, there are different divisions within Catholicism. People don't know that. And different countries have different traditions. And so, uh, Catholicism in Latin America is very idolatrous, uh, very superstitious. You know, with Mary, and you got to do all the stuff about Mary. It's just she's a goddess to them. And uh, in France, for example, not so much. But then there, indulgences are uh, welcomed and things like this. So there's different emphasis in different cultures, uh, different countries. So there's mm-hmm. different. Yeah. 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 One of the, one of the things that uh, he mentioned was that there's 
Because 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 my understanding from researching this a little bit is that so Catholicism does faith plus works, but the reason yes. so for their position to be air quote accurate, they have to deny what they're doing is works. So so um yeah, that's the one thing one thing I'm start, I'm starting to understand uh, from their position, but um. One of the things that their their reasonings and why it was not works is there was something like because I told them that the reason I don't agree with Roman Catholics like one of them is that they put faith plus works because they don't agree with the sufficiency of the atonement uh, for the for the sin debt from Jesus' sacrifice on the cross so they have to add to it but his his response was that they believe his death allows them to be basically like Arminianism kind of stuff where it's like they allow mm-hmm. his death allows them to be able to come to God or something like something like weird, weird mumbo jumbo with that. And I'm just like, yeah. I look at, I forget what verse it was, but I look at the, the verse with the send it and it's like, does anywhere in here give show that it gives like clarity to anyone about that and not just talk about the send that forgiveness. Sorry, did I explain that? And like that last one kind of lost me there, but the first one, the first part, uh, you're right. They, they, they do good works are necessary, but they don't call them good works. They call them things that Mm -hmm. they do because they love God and he gives them the grace to do stuff, but it's not saved by their works. And so it's double talk. And you know, paragraph 2068 mm-hmm. says you obtain salvation through faith, baptism, and the observance of the commandments. And then paragraph 2036 says that keeping the natural law is necessary for salvation. And 2070 says a natural law is represented in the Ten Commandments. So keeping the Ten Commandments is necessary for salvation. So what they do is they, they add works to salvation while they say they don't. And it's just hypocrisy and it's dishonesty. So uh, Titus 3.5 is important. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness. That's what they say. In their righteousness, it comes from God. They do good works. It contributes and maintains their position with God. But it's only by God's grace. So it's really saved by grace. So it's, it's just a lie from the devil is all it is. Mm-hmm. When they say that the you have to follow the commandments, are they referring strictly to the Ten Commandments plus ignoring the Sabbath, or the six hundred thirteen? Uh, they six. Well, they there's three divisions of the law: the priestly and the judicial are, are basically done away with. They go with the moral law, and then what they'll do is they'll say works of charity. You have to keep works of charity. And uh, I love that because uh, they'll say, well, that's not uh, works. It's not um, charity. It's not works of the law, you know, like loving your neighbor and and helping them and things like that. And uh, that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of, of <laughs> deeds you're supposed to do. And so I trick them and I say, really, really? So what do you say works of charity are like feeding the poor and you know, helping the poor and and giving to charity and, you know, helping each other out and. You know, being honest when you're buying and selling and things like that. And they go, yeah, that, those are worship charities. I said, good, because all those are in the Old Testament. And I have a paragraph that I will read to them. You know, feeding the poor, Leviticus 25, helping the poor, Leviticus, or Deuteronomy 15, not oppressing the stranger, Exodus 23. And I go on and on and on. I say, 
or works of charity are Old Testament laws. Now, don't tell me that uh, it's just charity. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a very slick deception. The Roman Catholic Church is, and the devil's working well through it. Uh, what were what were some verses that basically um, say that we we don't need we do, we don't need to look at the law for salvation? Romans 3.28, we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Romans 5.1 says, having therefore been justified by faith. Romans 4.5, which says, to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Those are the three that I go to a lot. You can go to Galatians 2.16 also, which says... Uh, I like, I like Galatians 2.16 a lot. That's good, yeah. And I, but Romans 4, 5 is particularly powerful because of what it actually says. And, and uh, I say, I use logic with them. Uh, but to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. And I'll say, look, you have two things, faith and works. And works is removed. So that's faith alone, isn't it? And they don't like that, mm -hmm. but it's true. If you have two things and one's removed, it's by itself, okay? So I say that that's faith alone. To the one who does not work, but believes, no works necessary. Oh, this works of the law. Really? What works of the law is it talking about? And show me from the context that that's what it's talking about. And then, because there's all they want to do, all the Catholics want to do, all the ones that I encounter who want to debate me on this, all they want to do is bow to the Catholic Church, bow to the Pope, bow to Mary, bow to the Magisterium, bow to their sacred tradition, bow to the authority of their church. Their church has replaced Jesus. You can't go straight to Jesus. You've got to go to the Catholic Church. The authority's not just in Jesus. It's in the Catholic Church. And then that's why I listen to the radio, Catholic radio locally here. And you know, come home to the church, not, not come to Christ. It's come home to the church. And Jesus says in Matthew uh, 12, 34, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, they speak about their church. They're, they're, they're uh, ecclesiologists. Ecclesia is the Greek word for church. And so ecclesiologists are church worshipers. They worship their church. They serve their church. They bow to their church. They are ecclesiologists. And I call them idolaters frequently well, in their, their doctrines of Mary. And it's just ridiculous. Yeah. So I wonder, well, I wonder how they would feel if they had, I wonder how they would feel if they had like leprosy in older times and they were pushed away from towns and they couldn't go to their church, how they would feel if they uh, were saved or not. Well, they would say that God, you know, he's merciful and he's gracious, but the normal ways of the means of grace, sacerdotal, means is the authority of the priesthood found in the Roman Catholic Church that has access to the treasury of grace earned by Jesus Mary and the saints Mary's up there with earning the grace and it's a treasury it's like a, a, a vat of gold coins gold gold grace coins up there and God through the church the authority of the church divvies them out to you so you have to go to the authority of the Roman Catholic Church paganism pagan the Catholic Church is pagan with the idolatry of Mary, its superstitions, its uh, medallions that have powers in them that uh, protect them from evil spirits, say repetitious prayers in order to get people, hopefully, in the rosary to get get their uh, sins forgiven or or um, 
uh, through the indulgences and various things that they do to have punishment reduced. It's just, it's just pagan. It's just paganism. Yeah, it's just so much paganism and Catholicism. Yeah, I remember hearing about. Yeah, I don't like it either. <laughs> I uh, I remember hearing uh, from my friend years back about how they were gonna get they they were giving a, a uh, some kind of bishop blessed medal to one of their Catholic right. friends or whatever uh-huh. as a gift, and I I was like oh okay, it's, it's, but at the time I didn't know, you know. I call it a I call it a talisman. A talisman is in the occult and witchcraft and and things like this, where you have a certain object that has had a ceremony done over it and upon it, and it then is something you carry with you to protect you from evil and or open up doors and things like this, spiritual thought. The talisman. So what they do is they have the priests bless objects. Then you take the objects out and you do stuff like that. Well, they'll say, when I bring it up, I say, it's idolatry. That, that's that's, that's um, a talisman. It's occult practice. And they'll say, well, no, no, no. They had handkerchiefs that were sent out. And I said, no, no, no. Don't You don't understand. The handkerchiefs were those that belonged to the apostles. And they were just, you know, they were because the apostles had power, they had authority. And it was even those handkerchiefs even helped. Then the shadows helped. Well, then, it's not the same thing as what the apostles called by God did, and you guys taking objects, and then you bow before them, like you do in the monstrance, and you bow before statues, and you bow before, and you wear these objects that help you protect you from evil spirits. It's not the same thing. And uh, it's just paganism. Paganism. Yep. Catholicism is so full of paganism. Hey, buddy, there's some music. we got to go. Nice. got people waiting. All right, man? Okay. All right. Okay. Have a good one, God man. bless. Thank you. You too. Right. God bless. Hey, folks. We have one open line. Give me a call, and uh, we'll be right back. It's Matt Slick live, taking your calls at eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. Here's Matt Slick. Hey, everybody, welcome to the show. And for to give me a call, oh, we got to wait. I've, uh, no open lines right now. Let's get to Jamal from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Jamal, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Max. I hope you're doing well, sir. By God's grace, I am. Man, I'm just, I, I'm so blessed. Know. I'm so blessed. So what do you got, man? Uh, I thought it's going to be I'm so blessed. Is going to be kind of follow up behind that. Oh, but okay. Oh, there was. I was say I was going to bless. I thought of saying until I look in the mirror. But, you know, what are you oh. going to do? You know? And then, then I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. So, all right. What do you got, man? Oh, no, no. You know, uh, I, I disagree, man. I think you have a face for radio. Um, but, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> man, you missed it by one second. I was taking a sip of coffee. You almost you almost got me to spit it out. So, uh, that's good. You disagree. Oh, you got a face for radio. That's good. Thanks a lot, brother. <laughs> Appreciate it. Good stuff. Anytime. All right, man. All week. Um, I, I, I do have one right to... One gripe to give you before I get to my questions. Um, okay. I listened to your show yesterday, and mm-hmm. you had half a show. And yes. I'm sitting here because I try to listen to you as much as I can. It's like going to church with half a sermon. You know, I was like, wait a minute. Um, <laughs> well, it's, I, I it's because. This ticket, but I want a full sermon. Well, hey, you know, uh, it, it turns out, you see, I, I'm doing a doctorate program, which I keep saying, I don't know if I'm going to continue. And I'm really close to just dropping out now. 
But it just oh. depends on how this paper I got to write goes. If I feel like it or not, I, don't, I really don't feel like it. So I, I just, you know, it's four years of this. I'm probably going to bail. But uh, that's why. So I had to leave a half hour early, and then they didn't have the class because the teacher oh, was recovering from surgery. So I just worked on other stuff. That's what it is. That's what it is. So you don't okay. want to be called Doctor Slick? Wouldn't that be? A I good do. Name? Oh, I do. I think it'd be great. But it's four years, and and I'll be sixty-seven next week. So we're talking. You know, I'll be seventy-one by the time I get a, a degree. Is it really worth it? So I don't know. I just don't know if it's worth it. I don't know. Well, uh, one last thing, and I'll be to my question. Happy birthday! Uh, happy early birthday oh, to you, sir. Yeah, you're, you're quite welcome. I'm old. Um, I had a uh, little discussion uh, with a friend of mine a while ago, and I think I brought this question to you before. Forgive me if I have. Uh, a friend of mine said that um, once saved, always saved. And I said, well, I don't know about that. Uh, mm -hmm. If you reject Christ after getting saved, won't that kind of negate you know, you being saved in the first place? Because it also says that uh, if you reject me before, you, before the, my father, something like that, then I will reject yeah. you. I just wanted to bring that by you uh, one more time. Yeah, and uh, I believe you cannot lose your salvation, okay? And okay. Uh, and I can tell you why uh, from what, what Jesus said, in, in my opinion, all right? I'll, I'll give you a, okay. a scripture and a logical uh, necessity for it. So, yes, sir. Jesus says in uh, John ten twenty seven twenty eight, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish. And notice that Jesus relates eternal life and never perishing, and no one will snatch him out of my Father's hand. Okay, so now we go to John six thirty seven. All that the Father gives me will come to me. It doesn't say all who come to me the Father will give. The one who, who uh -huh. the Father gives to the Son, they're going to come. That means there's a group given by the Father to the Son to save. Okay, because he says okay. that all that the Father gives me will come to me. The one who comes to me, I certainly will not cast out, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that all that he's given me, I lose nothing. The will of the Father wow. is that Jesus not lose any. Can Jesus lose any? No. Okay, mm. and he goes on in verse 40, this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life and I myself will raise him up on the last day. So notice that in verse 39 and 40, eternal life and not being lost are also equated. You see? My goodness. John six, John 3.16, okay? What does it say? It says, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe would uh, have everlasting life and never perish. And he uh, does, again, he says, everlasting life and never perishing are together. Now, here's one more thing, okay? This is where I mess people up. Now, okay. Jesus, okay, uh, our sin is breaking the law of God, 1 John 3, 4. Sin is lawlessness. You have sinned, I have sinned. Sin is a legal problem, among other issues. But not only a legal problem, but it's a legal problem, okay? So, right. sin, now Jesus says, uh, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In Matthew six twelve, he says, Forgive us our debts in the parallel Luke eleven four, he says forgive us our sins so Jesus equates sin with legal debt that's what Jesus does all right in first right. Peter 2 24 it says that he bore our sin in his body on the cross so that means our sin was transferred to him now here's the question 
was all of her sin transferred or just part of it? Well, all, all of, of it. it. Absolutely. Now, we read uh, Colossians 2, 13 and 14. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt, consisting of decrees wow. against us, which was hostile to us. He's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now, there's some logical issues here. Because I, I tell, say to people, this, what's the certificate of debt? And they say, well, it's a sin debt. I go, you're right, I agree. And it says, having canceled the certificate of debt, it's gone. When's it canceled? When you believe, when you get baptized? But read the, I'll, I'll see the text again, and then see if you can answer the question. According to the text, when's it canceled? Good. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, he's taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross. So when is a certificate of debt canceled? On the cross. On the cross. Not when you believe. Oh my goodness. What does this mean now? Well, uh -oh. that's right. There's an uh oh to it. But here comes, uh, here comes a, a, an answer to the rescue. Jesus says in John 15, I think it's John, no, it's going to be John 10, 15. Uh, he says, I lay my life down for the sheep. That's who he lays his life down for. In verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. A good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But he says to the, to the right. Jews, he says, you're not of my sheep. He says, you're not my sheep. Huh. So, if, yeah, oh, a lot of people do. Now, if Jesus bore our sin, your sin and my sin, which is future to the cross, then all of your sin and all of my sin is, is paid for. Because it can't be, for example, let's say Bob, hypothetically, becomes a Christian at 40 and loses his faith at 60. Let's just say that. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus bore all of his sin or part of his sin? Because if the sin that's canceled, you can't be held responsible for it. It's gone. People say, well, you've got to apply it right. to yourself. No, the application does not depend on you. It's canceled at the cross. What Jesus did made it real, not what you do. We've got a break coming up. I'll continue with this to show okay. you the logical necessity out of it, which also logically means we can't lose our salvation. I'll show you why. So please hold on. We'll be right back, folks, after these messages. Please stay tuned. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, let's see. Jamal, you still there, buddy? Yes, sir, still here. All right, so you ready for the coup de gras? <laughs> you ready? I'm ready. All right, so uh, there's a, a man, drive, he, every month he goes to the bank and on the first Monday of every month and he pays his mortgage. He loves doing it. It's his ritual. And there's one day yeah. on the way to the bank, he gets in a car accident. He's in a coma for two months. During that period of time, a philanthropist goes and pays off his debt at the bank. It's canceled. Now, here's a question. Is the debt actually canceled? No. 
Yes, it is. He went to the oh. philanthropist, paid it. It's paid, uh, right? Okay, gotcha. Okay. Right. So it is actually canceled, right? Yes. Okay. And the man doesn't even know about it. So the man, miraculous recovery, wakes up. Hey, you got to pay my mortgage. He rushes to the bank and says, here, you know, I was in a coma for two months. Here's my check. And they said, sorry, you're, it's been paid. We can't take your money. He says, I don't accept that. Well, so that has no bearing on what happened previously. The person's belief and application has no bearing on what actually happened. The, the right. Christian's belief doesn't activate the work of Christ. This is the arrogance of modern theology today. It's arrogance. I have to believe. I have to decide. I have to apply to myself. Then the work of God in flesh on the cross becomes effective. It's up to me to apply it. So it's the arrogance of modern theology today. But no, it says it's canceled at the cross. Who did he cancel it for? He canceled it for the ones given to him by God the Father. Okay? So he can't lose yeah. it. All right? Well, that, a uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. It does. Now, did he cancel for everybody who ever lived? Because if he did, then nobody could go to hell because all their sin is gone. Well, you're going to apply it to yourself. That's nothing in Scripture says that. So it's humanist philosophy that's been woven into uh, pulpits all across America that are teaching bad theology. So there it you go. It does seem like it, and, um, you know, if it's clearly stamped out, or not stamped out, but if it's clearly written in the Bible, then it uh, kind of makes people wonder why is it not being taught or they just put some kind of humanistic spin on it. It seems like it does. It seems like it is. Um, yes. Like because, in my opinion, it's because they don't study biblical theology and they've developed their own theology out of intuition. And they'll say, God would never do something like that. God would never choose someone for salvation, which is what it says in Second Thessalonians 2.13. Okay? It would never be that he predestines people. Which is exactly what it says in in Romans eight twenty uh, twenty eight twenty nine. It would never be that he appoints people to eternal life, which is what Acts thirteen forty eight says. So, no, they want God to be fair, and this is what most Christians want. They judge God based on their own intuition and their own idea. They're, they're idolaters in that sense. It doesn't mean they're not Christians. It just means that hey, they don't realize what they're doing. Oh, God would never do that. I know what God would and would not do. How do I know? Because I just know. I know that God loves everybody equally, and it's up to everybody's individual choice and free will. That's how it works. And that's right out of the book of Second Moronicles. Because it's not found in Scripture. Right beside, uh, right beside Deuterectomy, right? All right, next to Deuterectomy and uh, Second Opinions. And so the thing is, it's just I teach this to people, and it upsets them. And the reason it does is because they're following the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Caucasian surfer Jesus, dressed in a woman's nightgown, standing at the door of your heart, asking permission for you to let him in. Mm. That's not mm. the sovereign king. And if you go, check this out. Check this out. Okay, this is biblical theology I'm giving people. This is what people need to believe. It's right there in the scriptures. Just as he chose us in him. That's Ephesians 1.4. He, the Father, chose us, the elect, in him, Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless. He chose us for holiness. 
Because he's the, the father is the one who chose the elect and gives them to the son. The son redeems them. That's why Jesus says in John six thirty seven, all that the father gives me will come to me. And he who comes to me, I will not cast out. It's right there in scripture. And I show people this stuff and they react. They do not like it. And I tell people, don't react. Listen to the word of God. Well, wait a minute. He wants everyone to be saved. Second Peter 3, 9. I go, yeah, don't forget also First Timothy 2, 4. He wants all people to be saved, right? If that's the case, and you think it means every individual who ever lived, then why does Jesus speak in parables? Mark 4, 10 through 12 says, so, so they will not be saved. You have to harmonize all of Scripture. Don't just stop at one verse and say, this is what it means. I've decided that's what the entire biblical theological perspective is on that point. Because that's what it says right there. You know, in John three sixteen. You know, for example, God to love the world. That means every individual. And I say, where does it say every individual there? It doesn't. What's what it means? How do you know what it means? And I test them. I say, was Jesus sent to the whole world? And they say, of course he was. I said, no, he wasn't. And they go, yes, he was. There you go, your stupid theology, Matt. And I say, I just quoted Matthew 15, 34, or 24, where Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He wasn't sent to the whole world. And I say, yep. and plus, you know, God's love the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe. The word whoever is his host in the Greek. It's a rough breathing mark, omega sigma, like an OS. Uh, but it's not there in the Greek. What is there is pas hopestuum, all the believing one. And there's so much that, that Christians, are just, they just swallow hook, hook, line, and sinker. Because I don't believe the pastors, a large majority, not a large majority, a lot of them, I should say, are not teaching biblical theology. In fact, you know this stuff about uh, two men in the field, one is taken, one is left? That's the rapture, everybody says. Yeah. No, it's not the rapture. It has nothing to do with the rapture. Read the context. And then today, I'm just going off a little tirade. Today, I responded to somebody who uh, on a you know, Facebook chat thing says the pre-tribulation rapture is true and the reason is because God has not destined us for wrath for, but for obtaining salvation and the tribulation is a wrath of God and I said you just took it out of context wrath is, is juxtaposed with salvation it's not appointed us for wrath but salvation not escaping pre-tribulation pre, uh, pre, pre rapture and then salvation contrasted. No, it's how the Jews did this. It's not good or bad. It's not left and it's right. It's not wrath, but salvation. The word wrath means damnation, not not the escaping the ra- the uh, the rapture. I mean the uh, the tribulation. This is what gets me about so many uh, Christians. They don't study the theology. They don't study it, and then they condemn seminaries, right. oh, cemeteries, blah blah blah. Oh, I just got so tired of it. There, that was my little rant. My rant. Okay. <laughs> Always glad to hear it. Always glad to hear it. Well, well uh, one last thing. I'm going to try to send you an email because I still want to have you talk to uh, our guys at Bible Study. Uh, you probably sure. heard of it. It's uh, called Wednesday in the Word. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll drop a name. Hopefully he doesn't get mad. Um, it's uh, one of Stuart Epperson's groups. I was lucky enough to get oh. involved with it. Um, so Stu's we're still trying to work guy. that out. So, oh, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a very great guy. Uh, so yes. if you see an email from Jamal about Wednesday in the Word, that's me. Okay, I'll look. Man, send it out quickly, and I'll check at the end of the show, and and I'll call you back, and blah blah blah, or whatever it is. And uh, you know, if you want me to help you out in Bible study, I can do a lot of serious damage pretty quickly, and it'll take you months to clean it up. It'll be great for you. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you, Mister Slick, and uh, God bless. <laughs> God bless Jamal. We'll see ya. 
All right. That was Jamal. Now let's just jump over to, let's see if Mike's still on. Been on for 33 minutes. Mike, sorry. Hey, buddy, you're on the air. Yeah, I'm, I'm still here. I'm so old, I'm very patient. I've learned to be patient. <laughs> <laughs> and I love your rant, by the way. Uh, I thought oh. it was great. <laughs> yeah, we call them rats rants. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, this is a question and a kind of a heads up. Have you heard about the Satanic Temple uh, abortion clinic where they perform abortions? These are with pills, though, from what I understand, mm. uh, from what I read in the article. It's in, in, it's, in, it's explained in, in, in Cosmopolitan uh, magazine. I think it's in their Instagram page. Um, yeah. Well, but, they, but they actually have an abortion, a, a satanic abortion clinic that they named after Justice Alito's mother, believe it or not. Well, I didn't even hear about it until I saw your note that the producer put in there. And so during the break, I went and looked up three articles. And I'm looking at the Cosmopolitan.com article. It has a red phone with a pentagram on it. And then I scroll down, and it has... Uh, uh, by TST accounting, and all the T's are upside down crosses that move vertical, right mm -hmm. way, then go under. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for pointing it out. I'm going to look at it, look into it, maybe write an article, do a video on it. Um, and this is uh, helping out for something else you don't even know about. But, uh, yeah, Satanism is alive and well in, in America. And it's it's in the government. People don't know that, but it is. And it's in some higher uh, oh, levels of, of, of companies. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, hey, there's I a break, buddy. I wholeheartedly believe that. Okay. Oh, there is. All yeah, right, Matt. Is. God bless. All right, man. God bless, buddy. All mm -hmm. right. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. We'll get to Mike from Durham, North Carolina. We'll be right back. Please stay tuned. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. Boy, let's get to Mike if he's still on. It's a long wait, 38 minutes, buddy. You still there? I'm still here. Sorry about that, but that's, Can you hear that's me? a long wait. That's like no, the Olympic. All right, man. So what do you got? Yeah. Um, the other night in one of the after shows, you were talking to Ernie about vetting people and you came up with a couple questions one of them was i think something along the lines is god human and then you jesus. moved on now is jesus still a man yeah, is jesus yeah. i'm sorry yes is jesus still a man um and i thought about it i'm like well you know the word was made flesh so i is he <laughs> like am i missing something no he is still a man and um so i'll give you several reasons why for one uh, if you go to First Corinthians fifteen thirty-five through forty-five, in that pericope, it talks about the resurrection of the body, and that that which is sown is that which is raised. So my body, when I die, will eventually be raised to glory. It'll be the same body. I don't know how it's going to work, but it's going to happen. Jesus prophesied his own resurrection in John two nineteen through twenty-one. He said, "Destroy this temple. Three days I will raise it up." speaking of the temple of his body. After his resurrection, he appeared to Thomas, and he said, uh, John 20, 25 through 28, he says, put your hand into my side and your finger into my hand. 
So he had, he retained the crucifixion wounds according to the resurrected body. Furthermore, Jesus was baptized not to identify with sinners because John the Baptist's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Well, Jesus had nothing to repent of. So he was baptized, as Jesus says, to fulfill all righteousness, to fulfill these deals with the Old Testament. And I'll just get to the chase uh, really quickly here. In Leviticus 8, Numbers uh, 4, yeah, Numbers 4, Leviticus 8 and Exodus 29, in those three chapters you'll find what a man needed to do and, and be in order to enter into the priesthood. He had to be 30 years of age, Jesus was 30. Anointed with oil, Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit, right? okay, came down on him. Verbal blessing given, okay, my beloved son whom I'm well pleased, and believe it or not, he had to be sprinkled with water. That was the law. Sprinkled. Jesus, was, I believe, was sprinkled according to the law because he entered into the priesthood. He has three offices, prophet, priest, and king. So if you go to, uh, all you got to do is read Hebrews uh, 5, 6, and 7, and you'll see that he's the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So Hebrews uh, 6.20 and 7.48 says that he lives. he's a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, and he lives forever to make intercession for us. Why is all this important? Because if he is not a man right now, he can't be a high priest. you got to be a man to be a high priest. And if he's not a high priest, you don't have an intercessor. So, it's a critical and essential doctrine of the Christian faith that Jesus is a man right now. He has two distinct natures, divine and human. We call that the hypostatic union. But he's one person. And he will forever be in this humbled and humiliated state, so to speak, for us. For a redemptive work. That's who Jesus is right now on the throne of God. Okay? Okay, Ed. Uh Kind of what I thought. Why, why do you use that as a uh, question for a Litman's test? Because it's basic doctrine. And we want people who are going to write for CARM, but uh, I have to ask them basic questions because they may inadvertently give an answer that's not based on theological truth if they don't know things like that. So the kind of questions I ask people when I interview them, once they get, get to me, they're vetted by people before me on in the ministry, and then they get to me. And I, I ask them, is he a man right now? If they say yes, I get got any scriptures for that. And uh, say, so just top your head, you know, generic. Because I don't expect people to know what I know. And, then, you know, I've been doing this for decades, you know, all these little meticulous verses here and there. I don't expect that. But I want to, I want to know what what they, the, the general idea. They can misquote it, kind of, they're getting it right, you know. I go, that's good enough. But I ask him about justification, sanctification, imputation, propitiation, predestination, election. What's the Trinity? Define the Trinity. How many natures does Jesus have? Can you lose our, our salvation? What must you do if you say you lose it? What must you do to keep it? Well, you got to be good. you got to keep the law. Then you're out. You know, you're not even a Christian. False gospel. Well, they may be a Christian. It's false gospel. They don't know yet. So I have to ask them these things. And then if they pass that, I say, I want you to write an article from memory. Don't look at anything. I'm not going to judge you if you don't get this verse exactly quoted right. Don't worry about that. I say, just write me an article explaining what the Trinity is in relationship to Jesus. Just do your best. Make it one page. And then make it grammarly correct. Make it very quick with punctuation. I want to see how you write. And then if you pass, you can write for karma. That kind of thing. That's what we do. 
Yeah, that's out of my league. <laughs> but it's, on the other hand, but I know a lot of things uh, that are not Christian, and I just don't have the time sometimes to get as good at learning Christianity as I do on things that work or hobbies. Well, that's okay. Because sometimes what we have, we also have people who are not experts in multiple subjects. You know, me, I'm the guy who knows a lot about a lot of things. But we have individuals who are really good at one or two things. And then we'll have them write about those one or two things. And then that's what they study. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Awesome. I'm, I'm different. You know, I'm, I'm different, you know. So, uh, you know, that's it. You know, if we have someone who's an expert in uh, covenant theology, oh, covenant theology questions, or an expert in in Christadelphianism, you know, maybe someone was a Christadelphian came out, they can write about it left and right better than I could, you know. And then we have uh, people who read their stuff. And then, it, you know, it, it sounds intimidating, but it's not really. And even, we even have one lady, Laura, she'll actually p- point out my mistakes <laughs> in grammar and stuff. <laughs> but it was perfect. What do you mean? There's an error. <laughs> Because you can't read your own stuff, you know, you can't do your own stuff. So it's okay. It actually sounds more intimidating than it is, but um, that's what it is. All right. Yeah, that sounds great. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll I'll do a shameless plug. Uh, you're doing the match donations. Yes. This month. All right. Yes, we are. Yes, everybody we are. should donate. <laughs> well, thanks. All I'll right. use that as a nice segue to tell people about it. But thank you. Appreciate it. Right. <laughs> no problem. I'll see you. Okay. Thank you. Bye. All right. Okay, bye. Um, yeah, folks, so really quickly, uh, then we'll get to uh, Buskman. Um, so uh, we are having a match in Funds Drive. Uh, please uh, consider supporting us. If you put in $10, it'll be doubled. Another $10 will be matched. And we really do need that uh, because it's just we have missionaries in Turkey, Colombia, Brazil, and uh, Malawi. And now we're a, no, a new one we're supporting. Uh, we're getting more and more support for him in Nigeria, and, and we're going to use one of his stories uh, lately uh, and some of the stuff that's happening with him. It's really good stuff and what he's doing. But at any rate, hey, if you like what you hear on the air, you like the website, you enjoy the, the reportage sometimes on the radio, and you want to see or hear it continue, I should say, well, please consider supporting us. It doesn't take much. And uh, just go to carm.org, C-A-R-M dot O-R-G, forward slash donate and everything you need is right there let's get to buskman welcome you're on the air real quick matt because we only got five minutes on the air uh-huh. um i'm in between churches yes. i visit a church the pastor before uh giving communion said if you're not part of a local body you cannot take communion at this church this is a protestant church biblical, not, not biblical. or not biblical matt it's not biblical Thank you, sir. Nothing in Scripture says you have to be a part of a local church in order to. What it says is it's for the believers, and he gives it to his disciples. And if you're in between churches, then, uh, okay, what if you have a two-month job that's out of state, and you want to go to church, and you find a church? It's not your church. Could you take communion there? According to this guy, no, you can't. Sorry. So what he's doing now is saying that that um, eligibility to take communion depends on church membership. Show me that in the Bible. I say, show it to me. That's exactly what I said to there. him, Matt. Good. I said, what sir, where is that in Scripture in both the Matthew account and the Corinthian account? And he could not tell me. 
but he listed how I have to be under a body of eldership, that I have to be under someone's teaching and someone's leadership and things like this. And I said, I am under the, the, the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And, and I just would have kept going. Show me where it says that's a requirement for, for a communion. Because if you're not, if you're putting a restriction on it, that's not biblical. What's that say about your ability to communicate God's word? <laughs> I've told pastors that I've asked them. I've direct. I, they don't like it when someone challenges them like that. Generally speaking, but it's the truth. Correct. Show me it. Show it to me in Scripture. And if you can't find it, why are you requiring it of people? Okay. All right. All right I buddy. even quoted Martin Luther when he went up against Erasmus in the Roman Catholic Church. I said, Pastor. Scripture, Scripture, Scripture. That's what Martin Luther said. That's right. Scripture, Scripture, Scripture. Where does it say that? Show it to me. Not your implication. Show it to me. Otherwise, don't require it. You're being legalistic unnecessarily. Okay? Awesome. Thanks, Matt. All right, buddy. God bless. God bless you, my friend. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. All right. Let's get quickly over to Clarice from North Carolina. Clarice, welcome. You're on the air. Welcome. Hey, Matt. Um, I don't know how long I have. What, two minutes, maybe? Three? Yeah, um, about two. So this is, this is, this is um, I may have to call back tomorrow, but this is a follow-up on what you were speaking earlier about the security of the believer. Mm-hmm. I got in on the tail end of that. But mm-hmm. I was sitting in a Sunday school class this past Sunday that I've just been visiting, and um, a lady in there was saying, you know, you you." She was talking with someone, and you can lose your salvation. And she said, well, what if I kill somebody? Or no, I'm sorry. She said that the woman believed in the security of a believer, believing that you can't lose your salvation. She said, well, what if you killed somebody and died? And I'm listening to this person, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, because they come out with some. (laughs) That's just a small thing of what they say. So I just said to them, Okay, may I say something, please? And the teacher's very gracious. She usually wants me to say something. I said, well, in Revelation, when you're standing before the Lord, people are, and he's saying all liars, whoremongers, and murderers will be cast into the lake of fire. I said, so Jesus looks at sin, be it a lie, a murder, or whoremongers. He looks at sin of sin. So which sin do you think is greater? Like, which one causes you to lose your salvation? And she couldn't give an answer and had to walk out. Well, good. I mean, had to walk out for another reason. But I'm just saying, um, this drives me nuts with people that just mm-hmm. come out with this stuff. And you deal with this yeah. all the time. I don't. Yes, I do. But I'm in a local well, me... church. We've just started going. And, and a lot of churches do not preach doctrines. They got don't that right. preach and teach doctrines, and that's what's wrong with really true Christians. They're not grounded in doctrines, and they really don't know what they believe, or if they do, they believe something, they believe it because somebody told them and they haven't researched it. And it drives me crazy. I'm with you. I get that all the time. I say okay. it all the time. <laughs> well, we got to go because there's... <laughs> Call back tomorrow. We can talk some more, but there's the music. Okay, well, God bless, sister. Really appreciate it. All right. Hey, folks, by his grace, we'll be back on there tomorrow, hopefully. Um, 
Hopefully you'll be listening then. If you want, call me then. May the Lord bless you this evening. Have a great night, everybody. God bless. Talk to you later. Another program powered by the Truth Network.